Hey everyone, I'm your host Michael Nova and welcome to Rise Up 8 Radio. We are here with Srini Rao, who is the host and founder of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where he's conducted over 600 interviews with thought leaders and people from all walks of life. He's also written multiple books, including the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Art of Being Unmistakable, created, planned, and executed a 60-person conference called The Instigator Experience, and is publishing the forthcoming unmistakable book with Pangolin Portfolio. Here's our interview with Srini Rao. So Srini, on the subject of adversity, you wrote, and I quote, In my life, I've failed far more than I've succeeded. I've failed both personally and professionally over and over again. I've failed at jobs as an entrepreneur and in relationships. But then you go on to say the only way to not benefit from failure is to not learn from it. Yeah. As one of my mentors told me over and over, your temporary circumstances don't have to become your permanent reality. Which is really great. I love that. And can you go into that about, let's talk about, you know, your experience. And I know that, you know, you've had, you you had difficulty getting rejected by every school you applied to mm-hmm. and how, how that led you to where you are now. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, how how you turned those failures into into success? How you were able to learn from it? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is is you know, I, I think failure can either define you or it can inform you. And you know, for so many people, it it ends up defining them, which is you know why you you hear that phrase of you know your temporary circumstances don't have to become your permanent identity, but in so many cases they do. Because we feel that we're forever defined by one moment or one experience or one thing. You know, like let's say you get fired from a job. You feel like you're forever going to be the person who got fired from that one job. Uh, you know, I've been fired from like eight jobs. And, you know, the funny thing is that very few people like, you know, like you, you say the word Srini, your thought isn't, hey, the guy who's been fired from jobs. You're now, now the association is, oh, the founder of Unmistakable Creative and published author and speaker. And it, it's a, it's a really interesting thing because, you know, like the getting fired is a temporary circumstance and it didn't become a permanent reality. Um, it, and that's, you know, that's kind of one example of it. But, you know, I'll kind of walk you through the, the story and you can kind of direct me as you see fit. You know, I, I went to business school at Pepperdine mainly because I got rejected from all the other business schools I applied to. I didn't have the grades to get in. I didn't have the GMAT scores. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really not where I wanted to go. And, um, even when I got there, like a good amount of what I wanted to do changed. You know, like I wanted to work in a casino at Harrah's. Uh, I was, you know, I did really well in the rounds of interviews and then they did something like a standardized test and I bombed it and they were like, well, yeah, but this is a big part of our hiring process so we can't hire you based on this one thing. Um, so, you know, the thing is that like 
you know, with, with each failure, like we, we fail, you know, like there's so many circumstances in our lives that don't go according to our liking, right? Like you have, uh, you know, it could be a job or it could be a relationship or like an intimate situation with somebody that doesn't turn out the way that you want it to. And the thing is that for so many of us, like we start to see all of that um, as a reflection on ourselves. I think the, the biggest challenge I think we all have with this, and I, I struggle with this too, is that we try to look at the role that we played in it, which I, I think there's value in looking at the role that we played in it. But I think that we seem to, for or at least for me, you know, we seem to take full ownership of the role that we played. We're like, okay, well, there's nothing the other person did wrong in this situation. It was all me. I'm the one who's completely at fault. If it, if I didn't do this, this, and this, it wouldn't have turned out this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like in the case of a job, you know, you, you know, really often when people get fired, it's because it's not a good fit. Um, it's not necessarily that they're a terrible person, but the thing is that it's it's a devastating thing to have that happen. I mean, it's you know, and, and it's always hard on your self-esteem when you fail because you 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 don't. That's not what you expect going into any situation. You get, tend to have high expectations, or uh, you know. And, and then the other thing is, I mean, when you start to let go of your expectations, I think you come at it from a very different sort of. Uh, place like you're much more relaxed i'll I'll give you an example so you know i I had a creative project recently that i was really just super excited about Um, the idea was you know a conference where i would bring together a hundred people that i'd interviewed um, on unmistakable creative for a two-day live event you know and the only people in the room would be speakers and guests um attendees would be you know the people i'd interviewed on the show which i thought you know this will be amazing it'll be like ted and um you know, I sent it out to 50 people just to kind of gauge, you know, whether they would attend. And the overwhelming majority said no. And so, you know, you could you could look at that and say, okay, well, you know, now I suck. But it was very, you know, you, you I, I learned, you know, okay, one, I'm like, I overestimated, you know, how um, how enthusiastic people would be about this idea. And it's okay. Like, now I can move on from it. Um, and I can focus on other things, you know. So, like, you, there's that. And then the thing is that what we don't realize when we experience some sort of loss or failure is that what happens is you get this sort of vacuum or space that is opened up by any failure or loss. And what we tend to do is we, you know, we fill that space with we fill that space with a bunch of things. One is we we cling to what we just lost, thinking that it'll bring it back, um, which doesn't really help. Um, then we fill that space with panic, fear, anxiety. You know, d- you know, just feeling miserable about it. And so, like, what you've done is you've created this space that's completely empty and open for creation, and you've cluttered it with you know all your bullshit and baggage. And so, as a result, you can't do anything there. Um, you know, as far as Pepperdine goes, um, one of the things that was really interesting is a byproduct of being at Pepperdine, I ended up being the social media intern at Intuit. That's actually how I got exposed to the whole world of blogs and content creation, and, and I didn't get a job offer at the end of the summer. And, you know, to this day, like, I, I really, uh, not getting that job offer was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because, you know, to think that, okay, I would have been some, you know, mid-level lackey sitting in a cubicle, uh, like I was not just des- it was just not what I was destined for it seemed that you know that that's not what I was meant to do and so I think the the biggest thing about failure that I think we we all have that we experience is we resist the things that don't go the way we want them to and that's that's you know and and it's hard not to do that it's not an easy thing to to have no resistance to you know um, whatever you've experienced if it's not to your liking but as you sort of develop a capacity for sort of you know accepting what happens you i think you just start to come at everything from a place of much more power and much more peace in your life i agree i agree 100 percent. and it's interesting because what struck me is how our two paths are kind of similar in that our paths were not what we originally intended it to be but mm-hmm. ended up being the best thing and that when when we are faced with adversity and there's it's like there's a path that you're on 
and then you reach a point where there's a detour in the path mm-hmm. and and many people myself included will just try to keep going along this path which is now blocked and uh-huh. it's like this forest that you have to go through but if you can take that detour which is what I've learned recently is take that detour you never know where that's going to take you and it may yeah. take you to a place that you is even better than where you wanted to go originally. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the the funny thing is, like, you know, this what I do now versus a, a low level, like a mid level manager job paying ninety grand a year at mm-hmm. some tech company, not even close. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, like the two are, are night and day in terms of how much more interesting this is that I get to do. Yeah, yeah. So I know that you're a big believer in learning from your mistakes, and that no experience is a wasted experience if you can learn something from it can you give mm. us a, a concrete example of of something that happened to you that like what you just said something uh what else what else has happened that led you to to that uh to that belief yeah i mean i'll, I'll give you um one in particular so you know we did a conference in 2014 that by all accounts was a, a smashing success it sold out in two weeks you know i mean we had rave reviews of the thing and then i went through a lot of personal struggles um for the the remainder of that year and when we were trying to plan the 2015 event um you know it it just didn't have the same momentum behind it like we we were struggling to sell tickets you know people were not signing up the speakers weren't all that into it um and you know nobody was really helping us to promote to their email list like we just didn't have the same enthusiasm around it that we had in the past and so it um, you know, we ended up pulling the plug on the event, but we learned so many things from that. You know, one, we learned don't plan a, you know, try to t- sell people an $1,800 ticket to an event in the middle of, you know, 10 days before Christmas. Like that was just, you know, stupid. It was poor planning on our part. Um, so, you know, like that's one, we learned to really kind of, you know, assess what the level of enthusiasm from the market was first, um, you know, which is how, you know, we've avoided like, you know, there, you, like, so, for example, I could have done something as crazy as booked a venue for this event, put out a deposit, the one that I was just telling you about and then tried to sell the tickets but that would have been stupid that was that would have been backwards and you know i think having had that first fail the the failure of that event we learned okay well you can you can actually validate whether people are going to come to this thing first before you put any serious cash or effort or energy into it and i think that that was um you know like you save yourself a lot of of mistakes by doing that um you know like the thing is that Often, you know, experience is what what you know teaches you these things. Sadly, you know, and, and in some cases, you can accelerate the progress. I think the the process of of you know experience by working with the right people. I think that we, um, you know, like we tend to want to go it alone because our ego is in the way. But like when you finally admit that, okay, you know what, I'm not good at this, or I need help, um, and I need help from somebody who's more experienced. Um, I, I think that. It's it's humbling to do that, and at the same time, it's kind of like okay, what's more important, your ego or the the results that you're seeking? Right. You know, even right. if it means you got to set aside your ego to get those results. Yeah, well, the uh, what you just said uh, rings true for me because I know that you always have to try to surround yourself with people who are better at doing things than you are. Because, mm-hmm. if, for instance, if if you play any kind of sport, you're on, really only going to improve. If you're playing against people who are better than you, mm-hmm. if you're playing totally. against people who are who are on a lower level, you're just not going to improve. You may have fun, you may destroy them, you'll you'll beat them, but are you really going to learn anything? You know, yeah, so yeah. so that's in, in a that's kind of what you did by doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know it's uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's that's really what it comes down to is is you know, are you going to learn from these experiences? Like you said, they're they're you know, and you know, failure sucks. Like it's not you know, we don't want to sugarcoat it and say oh, it's it's wonderful to fail. Like I really don't, you know, like you kind of don't wish that things had turned out the way they did in certain situations, and then you kind of have to get to this point where you you really do just have to accept that the fact. It's it's I think when we when we can't stop fighting it and we keep resisting it and like we keep thinking we can change something that 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 can't be changed that's when we we unnecessarily just cause ourselves to suffer and, and cause something to drag on far longer than it should drag on. Yeah, well that that's true. When you're doing something that that you really want and yet mm-hmm. yet you're you're being uh, you keep running into these roadblocks everywhere you yeah. go and it's just. It doesn't seem like it's meant to be. Um, what I found is that by by taking that that detour, it seems like uh, either you'll end up where you want to be, or you rent, you'll end up in another good place. Um, but just ramming your head against the wall, trying to make something happening when it's not happening, mm-hmm. is, is not going to work, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you, you found that too, right? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, it's there there's a point at which you, there's I think there's a difference between persistence and stupidity and I think you have to really understand what that line is. Right. So so in a nutshell for for those listeners that are not familiar with your story, as I understand it, you know, you uh you came out of out of high school, you you tried to get into the colleges that you wanted to, you couldn't. Um uh-huh. you tried to take jobs that you thought you would enjoy doing that you needed to to make money with you got fired from many of those jobs so so you had a lot of these setbacks but through all these setbacks you learned from each of them and that allowed you to eventually get to the podcast that you do yeah. which is so successful can we talk let's delve into that time what led you to the podcast what led yeah. you to, to to creating it? So the podcast really is is a uh, you know I guess in a, in a lot of ways a fortunate accident. Um, like I didn't have any plans to start a podcast. I didn't start out with the intention of, of you know building this thing into what it is today. Um, it just kind of was a ship that sailed off course and, and you know landed me at you know headed headed towards an island that was far better than you know the mainland that I was probably going to be end, ending up on. So you know I graduated from business school and um, I had worked in social media at, into it the summer before, but as I mentioned earlier, I didn't get a job offer at the end of summer. So uh, the thing that you know happened was I had this deep deep desire to be a writer ever since I was a freshman in college, and you know basically what I the way I describe it is you know like you spend so much of your life choosing from the options in front of you. And then when there are no more options in front of you, you're finally forced to start looking at the possibilities that surround you. And so for me, that was this deep desire that I'd had to be a writer. The only difference was, you know, in 1996, when I was a freshman in college, we didn't have, you know, the internet the way that we do today. We didn't have blogs, like, you know, websites were barely coming into existence. And so I, um, you know, I, I wanted to write and I wanted to share my writing with the world. So I, I just started writing. And one of the byproducts of the, the writing, I had this, you know, small blog called The School of Life. And, um, you know, I was in this online course about building a popular blog called Blog Mastermind. And one of the lessons was to interview people as a way to get traffic to your website. And so I actually interviewed one person. Um, that one person told me, don't underestimate what this is going to do for you. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why he said it. It was, it was almost prophetic, but he, he said, you know, he's like, I think this is going to do something really great for you. Um, 
And so he referred me to another person and another person and so on. And, um, you know, 13 interviews in, a guy named Sid Savara, who was my 13th interview, said he's like, you know, he's like, I don't think you're a great writer, but I think you have a really good uh, skill as an interviewer, uh, which, you know, we, we joke about to this day because now I'm a published author. But um, he, you know, he's, he, yeah, and I didn't take offense to it. I thought, okay, you know, like, you know, and he said, besides, nobody's doing the interviews kind of like the way you are. He's like, you're, you know, genuine curiosity and this comes through. And he's like, I think you really have something here. Um, I, but I recommend that instead of having it be a weekly post on the School of Life blog, you take it out and spin it out as a separate site. So we spun it out as a separate site called Blogcast FM, the podcast for bloggers. And for probably the better part of you know three, four, three years, we ran it as Blogcast FM. And you know it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't do t- badly. I mean, people loved it. Like our listeners always loved us, and and you know I got a lot of positive you know feedback uh, on my skills as an interviewer. And so what ended up happening um, is I think late 2013, like summer of 2013, um, my, my mentor Greg actually you know, took a, an interest in me. It was somebody that I had interviewed a couple of times on the podcast and we connected and um, we started working together because I was sort of in this phase where he – I remember he had called me uh, because he wanted help to write a book and I, I, it was really amusing. The more you know, we talked, the more he found himself helping me and you know, me not helping him nearly as much. Um, you know, and he was a very skilled entrepreneur. So he, he, you know, then he asked me to join a startup that he was working on. And I, I said, you know, I'll do it, but uh, on the condition that you mentor me and how to turn this thing around. And so we, you know, we really, you know, got to work. And in that six months, um, you know, from I think June, 2013 to like, you know, the end of 2013, we ended up publishing, I ended up self-publishing The Art of Being Unmistakable, which became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Um, we sold out this event and we rebranded, um, you know, the website as Unmistakable Creative, which, you know, Unmistakable Creative as a brand has been around since 2014. So it's about three years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the audience had always been there. And we've, you know, we've worked really hard to build something, I think, that in my mind, I'd always said, you know, what I wanted to, to be known for was finding interesting people. Um, it didn't matter whether they were famous. What mattered more was, was their story fascinating to listen to? Like, would they make for um, somebody that you'd actually want to talk to? Because, uh, you know, like the, the ultimate thing, you know, with audio, we're wired for story. That's what we, you know, we don't listen to audio so that we can learn tactical things like you could read in a book. We listen to audio because we want to listen to good stories. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the people that you're interviewing, as I understand it, uh, the, really from all walks of life, right? How how varied yeah. how varied are they? They really are all over the place. I mean, we've had bank robbers, drug dealers, performance psychologists, authors, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, a guy who walked a dog across America, a guy who rode a bike from Berlin to India. I mean, it's just people who've done fascinating things, like. Um, and there's so many of them. I mean, it's just, you, you get such a, a rich, you know, thing. And I think because of that, you know, you learn so much. Like, you know, we had the guy who started the Zen Hospice Project who, you know, talked to us about mortality and death, you know, and it, it's, it was, so you get all these, all these different perspectives. I think that has really kind of, um, you know, has really shaped a lot of things for me. I mean, I think it's, it's changed the way I think. I think it's, um, it's helped a lot of people, you know, in their own thinking, I think is, is probably one of the better things that has come from it is, is just the impact that it's had on people's lives has been really, you know, rewarding to see. It's, it's kind of, that is perhaps the most rewarding thing to see is, is you know, when somebody's life changes because of something they heard on the show, that yeah. to me is, you really can't put a price on that. I agree, 100%. So um, the people that you're interviewing, when the subject of overcoming adversity comes up, do you find that when you take a step back from it, of course, everyone has their own stories of adversity and all unique to them, but when mm-hmm. you take a step back from it 
it's really all kind of the human experience, isn't it? It's just, it's kind of similar in that they reach this point where they're at the bottom and they have mm-hmm. nowhere else to go but up and they start crawling themselves, crawling up out of this pit and mm-hmm. eventually reach where they need to go. Do you find that that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you if you look at every single person I've interviewed, I, I think there's not a, one of them has that hasn't gone through something semi-difficult in their life to get to where they're at. I mean, it's like the rare person. I don't know if there's anybody who hasn't. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. There might have been one who said, and I was kind of like just shocked. It was weird to hear. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, every one of them has gone through some sort of challenge. You know, like it's it's the whole Joseph Campbell hero's journey thing, right? Like right. you have to have the crucible in order to get to the other side, and right. and so. So yeah, that's that's what I would say about it. So there definitely it's it's I think it's a common pattern to have overcome adversity. Yeah, and I remember there were a few uh a few episodes that you've done that that uh where a lot of it was um was pretty much all about overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh I I like your philosophy on you know being a creative as I am as well. Um and how you really have to um, kind of the the whole the whole thing about making money and living your dream um, mm-hmm. is really almost like a fairy tale. It does happen with some people, but this thing about having to earn a living while you're chasing your dream is something that you have to do pretty much, and. Uh, you know, people sometimes think that, oh, I'll, I'll just be creative and I'll create, uh, I'll build it and they will come, you know? Yeah. And, but, but you and, and, and myself included, I, I don't really believe that that's possible. I mean, it could be possible, but it's, but it's like winning a lottery that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, you're right. You're not, you, you know, I think there, there's a reality to it. Like, is everybody going to make it as a creative? Like we, we, you know, and I think we have, a, we have to face reality that, you know, there are some people who just have the talent and have the, the dedication and have the ability, you know, and then there are some people whose life circumstances don't facilitate it. You know, it's just, you know, that, that's how this goes. Like, I mean, it's just part of, part of life. Yeah. And, and the people that, that stick with it, it can be incredibly difficult at times when you're, when you believe in your work and and you're not yet successful where you want to be and you know mm-hmm. that you, what you're creating is is 10 times better than most of the stuff that's out there and sure. yet and yet you keep you keep having failure after failure and it's very difficult to keep to keep going and this is why so many people fail right don't you think yeah yeah, I mean, it, it, there's, you know, again, it kind of takes us to that sort of, you know, persistence versus stupidity conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a point at which, okay, you know, maybe you look at it. The other thing I think you have to consider, you know, when you're failing over and over again, you mentioned, you know, your work is 10 times better than something out there, but sometimes it's not, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, I, you know, like, I, I had to come to the realization that, okay, there's a reason that some of the writers that were writing at the time, you know, time when I started my blog had, had done far better than I were. They were better writers. Like, they were really good at the craft. Um, they had put in their reps, you know, like I didn't get good as a writer until I was like consistently committed to this like habit of a thousand words a day. Like I do that religiously. There's not a day that goes by that I don't do it, you know? Um, so yeah. And uh, you, you've said that, uh, 
that your your most productive time is when you wake up in the morning and yeah. and that you write what is it a thousand a thousand words a day? Yep, exactly. You make it a religious kind of everyday thing, which is great. I love that, um, and I try to do that as well. First thing in the morning, try to do be creative when you wake up, when you're you're creative juices are flowing and it's maybe not the same for everyone sometimes people get their juices late at night you know yeah. but but because uh, in the morning is the best time i think because there's not so much going on and mm-hmm. and it's it sets your tone for the day so if you can get your juices flowing and do something fun and create which i love to do uh, to create you know, it sets the tone for the rest of the day, and it just gets you up for the rest of the day, don't you think? Yeah, totally. What's your What's your uh, philosophy on this? On, on the morning routine? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, as I told you, like, for me, it's, you know, like, I, I wake up every day, and I follow the same routine. Um, you know, like, I wake up, I read for 30 minutes, I meditate for 25 minutes, um, you know, coffee, writing in a journal, reading a physical book, and then a thousand words. Like, it's, you know, it, it's a, it, I think part of it is having, what what that does, I think, is, is it gives you control over some aspect of your day. Like, you know, you have to really design your days if you want to design your life, and, and most people don't understand that. Like, that's that's where taking control of your life begins. Yeah. So, um, so getting back to the, to the subject of, you know, your, your story, um, and how this led you to, to your podcast, the unmistakable podcast. Um, when you think about, as you mentioned, Joseph Campbell's, um, belief about the, uh, the hero mm-hmm. and the, uh, this is really something that comes up with so many people is that you you reach this point as i mentioned before about being at the bottom and there's no way there's nowhere else to to go but but up but at that at that point did you have a point like that where you you just felt like kind of lost and well yeah i mean i think you know having no job up on graduation from business school it was kind of like okay this is rock bottom the only place to go from here is up you know and i I think that you know i felt like that in 2014 when we really had you know had the business have a lot of troubles um you know it's kind of like all right this is this is you know like we're we're still around but like the only place to go from here is up you know and that's that's so absolutely i've been in those spots yeah so so let's talk about you know some people who are listening might be in that place like, yeah. can you take us through how you were able to overcome that and and get back on your feet and get moving again in the right direction? Like, what yeah. what did you go through to be able to get there? So there are probably a number of things I think that we, we you know, we'll, you look at practices. And these are practices, I think, that now have just become part of my daily life because I, I realized the, the tremendous value that they provided during that period. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, we really don't spend enough time talking about our emotional health for, for the purposes of entrepreneurship or, or creative work. Like, it really matters. Your emotional and physical health make a huge difference because if those two things are out of whack, you're not going to do your best work. So a couple of things. Um, one was, you know, seeing a therapist. I think we, we have a stigma that's associated with therapy, but 
that seems to be going away quite a bit nowadays. Like people are finally starting to be much more open to it, um, which is good. So there's that. Um, exercise on a regular basis was really important. Changing food and diet habits, um, you know, uh, you know, like meditation. Um, also being mindful of who you spend your time around. You know, like I, I was really fortunate in that I had you know a business partner and a friend who really you know was was kind of a shoulder to to, to stand on. Like he really, without him, I don't think I would have gotten through it. Um, so I think that, you know, like it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you're, you're on top of the world kicking ass, everybody's, you know, like friends are like everywhere. Right. But when you're really in rock bottom, you kind of learn who your, who your closest friends are. Cause that's when, you know, the real characteristics are revealed because, you know, you're not at your best. And if people can love you at, you know, when you're at your worst and they can make you feel your best, that's kind of who, who, you know, that's a pretty good litmus test for, for the people in your life. So I would say those things are really what it, what gets you through. Yeah. I think the, uh, Aligning yourself with the right people is very important because there are people in our lives who, unfortunately, they may love us, but they, for some reason, they, uh, it's almost like they have to drag you down with them to, if they're unhappy with their lives, and it's difficult for them to see someone else uh, having success, so... You know, it may be painful, but sometimes we have to try to uh, to not let those people influence us. You know, and make sure that we surround ourselves with with positive people who can who can help us. You know, in that path. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's no question. You have to have you know positive people. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you're you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so. and when we're when we're interviewing people like you do, like I do, I find that just having the conversations, I can learn something from every conversation, and and it actually gives me energy and and strength to to reach another level because it's even though we have these unique kind of stories, as I mentioned before, it's. Uh, it's really all the human experience. It's it's just learning how to to go up. Almost like a life is like a video game. It's like you you're on one level, and you you got to work your way up to the second level. But then mm-hmm. then you may fall fall back down. But then you respawn and and you go on to the next level. It's like uh, life is like a, a video game of levels that you have to work your way up to yeah yeah exactly yeah um so is there anything else you'd like to share about about overcoming adversity that you think might be helpful for our listeners i think most of what i've shared is really kind of how i've gotten out of it yeah yeah that's great um so so how can people reach you um, you can find me at unmistakablecreative.com or, um, you know, I'm on social media. I'm, you know, at Unmistakable CEO on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you're working on a new book? Um, I'm, I've just finished a manuscript for a new book, so yeah. What's that about? Uh, it's about creative habits. Uh-huh. Anything, um, anything you can share with us or is it top secret? Um, it's not top secret, but it's mainly about how do you create, you know, how do you sustain creativity on a daily basis, um, you know, and how do you develop the habits that allow for that to happen? That's great. So about consistency, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. 
So Srini Rao, host and founder of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, thank you so much for joining us on Rise of Eight Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you know someone who has an inspiring story that we should interview, please email us at info at riseup8.org. I'm Michael Nova, and thanks for joining us on Rise Up 8 Radio.